0: Hello and welcome back to It's a Very Exciting Time, a podcast by UFO nerd and his tolerant friend. My name is Scott and I've been fascinated by the phenomenon my entire life. Hey everyone, I'm Chuck. I'm an aerospace nerd and a tolerant friend. We started this podcast because since 2017, there have been shocking revelations from news of secret Pentagon programs to confirmed Navy videos of astonishing craft. In a nutshell, Now that we know that the government has recovered non-human technology.
1: Or at least we will after David Grush finishes lacing up his boots. (laughs) It raises
0: a natural question. If UFOs are real, what else? Suddenly, some of these other parts of the phenomenon that seemed unlikely are pulled into the realm of
1: the possible. And they may still be unlikely, but even if it's new science and not actually aliens. (laughs) It's
0: a very exciting time every time we read the intro chuck i yeah. think about annie hates this intro <laughs> yeah because we're slipping into like like professional, professional mode, right? like voice which yeah, yeah. cracks me up because we're like cracking jokes and, like making each other giggle the whole time but like we're not doing <laughs> our conversational voice we're doing our like yeah. reading off a teleprompter voice and he's like, you yeah. guys should just stop the intro. I'm like, no, the intro is
1: valuable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Take <Anyway>. that Annie. <laughs> Did you say anyway? Uh, <laughs> maybe I should
0: have. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm coming at you live from Portland where we've just come off a, uh, Arctic cold front. It is 15 Ooh. degrees outside, which is the coldest Portland has been in. 30 years uh really? mercifully the uh predicted 11 inches of snow which would be insane for portland turned out to be yeah. more like a half an inch of like slate uh it's yeah. weird though because it's not melting it's just like sticking around out mm. there yeah um there's high winds I mean, got lots of power outages uh i heard it's cold in florida and- too chuck yeah yeah is it
1: yeah. But inches and millimeters are so similar. Like eleven inches, eleven <laughs> millimeters. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, you're right. It is absolutely freezing here. Uh, or I mean, it's it's cold. It's not freezing, obviously. Yeah. Uh, it hit fifty-seven degrees to get oh, today. Oh my god. And I'm to bundle up. I tell you what, yeah. Like I have wool socks on. Uh, I <laughs> I will admit that I was wearing long underwear last night, but we were going outside. You know. So what are you going to do? Oh, man. All right.
0: So a quick note before we get started. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about a famous UFO case. Uh, Mm. These kinds of historical episodes are a lot of fun, but they're also a lot more work than our usual Mm. uh, who's Tim Burchett talking shit about this week kind of stuff. Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. uh, And and because of this, I have not read the notes. So you are going to be as surprised as I am. By what Scott wrote for me, and I'm delighted. So, so if like, you, you enjoy this, episode, that like an advantage, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, 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 So, if you enjoy this episode and, uh, and you aren't already, maybe consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, go to <laughs> Patreon.com/slash Very Exciting Time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so Chuck, today yeah. we are going to be talking awesome. about one of the most well-known cases in. Ufology, your favorite word uh, in the <laughs> UFO community. This is really well known. Uh, I've had it in okay. my show, Idealist, literally since we started. Um, and it's mm-hmm. actually been requested by several of our listeners.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's one of the most requested. Mm-hmm.
0: So, in a nutshell, today we're going to be talking about Virginia. I am going to butcher that name. I'm doing my best. Apologies okay. to anybody who actually is from the community. Uh, but in a nutshell, in 1996, a UFO crashed outside the city of Virginia, Brazil. Uh, several people mm. reported seeing short beings with oily skin and a strong smell of sulfur. The military cordoned off parts of town. Two of the creatures were captured witnesses were intimidated by men in dark suits a police officer died of mysterious causes after handling one of the creatures the u.s air force took all the recovered crash debris and body the brazilian military denied everything uh but yeah the event got a ton of attention and is commonly referred to as the brazilian roswell
1: (laughs) okay uh that sounds a lot like a type of wax uh, waxing that you do um but anyways yeah this uh, i'm i'm excited this story oh, seems like it has a
0: roswell of brazil is that, is yeah that, that better? seems
1: less uh less dicey
0: less likely to get us demonetized
1: <laughs> not
0: the word <laughs> as monetized as
1: i know right we're uh a side note on that we are now like three dollars away from cash flow positive on patreon so yeah i know
0: exciting time uh yeah yeah you're totally right this story has everything um and if you dig this story i highly recommend that you check out an excellent documentary by james fox it's called moment of contact it was produced back in 2022 and it has loads of great interviews with all the people who are involved um james fox when uh promoting it said what I love about this case is that it's recent enough where people either heard accounts or experienced things themselves.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's good. Like, it seems like a lot of, a lot of the cases we talk about are from like the fifties and witnesses aren't available, uh, mm-hmm. or, or like recordings didn't exist or phones didn't, you know, uh, it, yeah. weren't cellular. Um, no, yeah. totally. So we get a cool. lot of
0: things with Roswell where like, you're talking to the children of the eyewitness mm-hmm. and at this point, the oh, kids yeah, themselves sure. are staples in the UFO community and you know, like yeah. they make money from appearances. So whether or not yeah. their, you know, parents experience was authentic, you're now kind of questioning what their motivation yeah. is. It just makes things messier. Um,
1: right. So when, when was this?
0: 1996. How long ago? Uh, let's see. <laughs> so it wasn't that long ago, right? I graduated high school in yeah. 96. That was only, uh, when yeah. 28 oh. years ago.
1: <laughs> oh, shit. oh, God. You were just talking about, oh, like, no. weren't you just telling me vintage is 20 years and like classic yeah. is 25.
0: Yeah. yeah. My brother sells a lot of things on eBay. He said they define anything over 20 years old as vintage. <laughs>
1: we are definitely vintage (laughs) (laughs) well
0: this ufo case
1: is technically
0: vintage but it is still recent enough that all of the eyewitnesses are alive you can go interview them it's very exciting so let's let's dive in so i'm going to start with the crash itself so january 13th 1996 norad (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Norad alerts the Brazilian authorities that they have tracked a number of unidentified objects over the Western hemisphere that night, and that one or more had penetrated Brazilian airspace. I don't love the use of the word penetrated there, but you know, fine, it's the military. They can't help it.
1: <laughs> We're just sticking with the theme, right? Um, yes. <laughs> so, Do you think this is any different? So Norad also tracks Santa and alerts governments <laughs> throughout, <laughs> uh, throughout the world when it sees Santa. Do you think it's similar?
0: I mean, I got to assume it's the same radar array, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> probably is, yeah. Uh,
0: so college professor, excuse me, college professor and amateur pilot named Carlos de Sousa witnessed the crash. Uh, he was a few okay. miles outside of town when he heard a muffled roaring sound overhead. He saw a craft, the size of a school bus shaped like a submarine flying slowly and erratically with a big jagged crack down the side. He said it looked like a washing machine struggling.
1: <laughs> you know, I, that is such an evocative phrase. Like I absolutely know what that looks like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like good jump, good jump, good jump. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely.
0: The other thing I love about it is shaped like a submarine size of a school minibus. Well, that should be ringing a bell to any of our listeners. Hey, that's, uh, that's the Tic Tac. That's the exact same size and shape that the Tic Tac oh, was yeah, described right? as flying propane tank, the size of a small yeah. car, you know, like, yeah. So definitely. Here, I just went straight for the uh, magic school bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Magic school bus. Uh, he said it was fighting to keep its altitude. The side of it was completely torn and it had white smoke coming out. Hmm. Uh, and he noted the white smoke because he said it was not black smoke. Like you would get from an aircraft fire. Mm -hmm. Um, at the time I thought it was like an aircraft in trouble, an airplane. So I decided to follow it. So he followed the UFO for 10 minutes until it took a dive behind some trees. He kept going and he found it crashed in a field. Now, In the documentary, I'm going to kind of like adjust the timeline here a little bit because the documentary was just the other year. They took him back and they found the field. Um, And it's incredible. Um, He has trouble finding the spot because some of the landmarks have changed, but they eventually track it down. He's like, yeah, there's that white house that was over there. There were more trees Hmm. up here. This was like this, but he's so emotional. When he gets the spot, he's mm. kneeling down, gesturing to landmarks he recognizes and crying and he's saying, here, here is where it crashed. Beings yeah. died here. Um, hmm. I, I hesitate to mention this because describing someone else crying as being very convincing comes across very non genuine across the podcast. But seriously, like I encourage you to watch the documentary. This dude is okay. deeply, deeply moved. By yeah. what he experienced coming back to it 25 years later, he's you know, dredging up these old memories, describing what right. he saw. Um, he said, when he arrived at the site on the spot, he says, I observed a lot of debris pieces. And when I got out of the car, I immediately smelled ammonia, like rotten eggs, oh. a very strong smell, so strong. I had to cover my nose with the shirt I was wearing because my eyes got watery.
1: Yeah. That sounds like the, um, the, the EBO scientist, uh, from a couple episodes ago, he said like ammonia sweat, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I said at the time that ammonia is a smell that's kind of commonly reported in alien encounters. This was one of the incidents I was thinking about. Um, this is, yeah, I think maybe the first incident where that smell was widely reported,
1: but who knows?
0: Uh, but yeah, the the EBO scientists talked about how they sweat ammonia inside this kind of bodysuit to regulate their temperature, um, which is a very weird okay. biological detail. As he gets out, he they asked him, like, "What what did it look like? What did the grass look like? And I found this really fascinating because it wasn't a detail that he brought up. They asked him, what did the area look like? And he said, all of this grass was burned. He said looked like it was burned by like a chemical substance in like a 40 meter diameter around the crash Hmm. site, which is fascinating, right? Like, I don't know what an alien spaceship contains, but if it smells like ammonia and all the grass is burned, it's probably not great.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I, uh, while you were talking, I asked GPT what causes, uh, white fires um or white smoke, and it said that oftentimes it's like steam or uh burning organic material or some sort of like chemical fires um okay. like it, specifically it mentioned like wet wood uh yeah, would yeah, cause yeah. a lot of white smoke um yeah. but well, maybe ammonia does it too. I don't know maybe We um, find out so the debris
0: this is really interesting okay. uh. And, and keep in mind, he is describing all of this. Like he rolls up in his car, he gets out of his car. He hasn't even Mm -hmm. walked forward yet. This is just immediate impressions of the area. He says there's debris all over the place. There was a piece of debris by his feet. He picked it up. He said, it looked like it was aluminum, like the foil Mm. you wrap a chicken in for roasting. I took a small piece. It was very light. I crumpled it, but when I released it, it went back to its original shape.
1: Oh, weird. That's You're not right. what we expect from aluminum foil. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah.
0: We hear this kind of report about like memory metals from like Roswell yeah. too. But with okay. Roswell, it's much more of like a second or third hand story. So it's really interesting to get it from a first hand witness here. He picked up this right. material and, you know, let it go very lightweight. It goes right back to its original shape. That's. Sounds like a very useful thing if you're building a spaceship.
1: Yeah. No kidding. That is really cool. Um, Yeah. Do you know, did it, did it go back to its original shape or did it just go like flat? He said it went back Um, to its original shape because he described
0: them all as being like lightly curved because you know, if you imagine like a submarine or a propane tank, right? There are no straight edges here. Mm -hmm. So this would have been a piece of the hull shell. I don't know. Oh,
1: okay, cool.
0: Very neat. Yeah. So within minutes before he has a chance to investigate any further, a bunch of military trucks come rolling up and about 40 soldiers piled out and he is ordered to leave the area. And he's very clear as he's telling this story. This was not like a call. I'm like, okay, sir, you're going to have to leave. We've got this under control. This is a oh, guy yeah. pointing a rifle in his face, screaming, go away, go away over and over mm-hmm. and over again until he's like, okay, and like gets in his car yeah. and takes off. Um, yeah. The timing there is fascinating. Um, Now, he was there so quickly because it happened to fly over him as he's driving.
1: Hmm. Were
0: there multiple military trucks on the road also? Like, we know that Wait, Nora gave tip off, but
1: what flew over?
0: The 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 crashing flying saucer. So oh, Carlos Castanza oh, oh. was driving along. He sees okay. this thing go overhead, and he follows okay. it. But these okay. military dudes show up within minutes of the crash. Also,
1: yeah. Which I mean,
0: implies they knew where it was going to happen. Yeah. So i I found that yeah. really interesting. So they're very yeah. aggressive. They shoo him away. Now, after leaving the scene, he has an interesting encounter. He says, mm-hmm. I pulled up to a gas station to have a coffee so I could relax a little. And then yeah. two people came up to me wearing black suits. Very neat, very tall people.
1: Oh my god, here comes the men in black.
0: Won't <laughs> that you remember. Oh, man. Uh, For any viewers who are a little less uh, vintage than Chuck and myself, uh, (laughs) that is the refrain from Will Smith's single from the 1997 movie Men in
1: Black. Oh, it's 97. Wait, this Men in Black came out a year after Virginia? It did. I'm suspicious. Now, who feels old? (laughs) So he says. I I mean. (laughs) I also feel old, but I'm mostly suspicious that maybe Men in Black was also an attempt to cover up the whole thing. Like the- <laughs>
0: Maybe. Uh, he says, they stopped by my side and they said, are you Mr. Carlos de Souza, married to so-and-so? Your daughter is so-and-so? They described my whole life right there. I turned to the guy. I said, who are you? How do you know that? He spoke very clearly to me. He said, look, you did not see anything. You, shut up. Go away. If someone asks, you didn't see anything. You don't know anything. If not, things are going to get very weird for you. So get out of here. Right then, I got scared. Their car was a Chevy Opala, black or very dark blue, almost black, and it did not have a license plate. And then they left. They just disappeared.
1: Yeah. I mean, his life is already weird. So like... (laughs) What a strange
0: threat. Now, I will admit, yeah. right, like, he's Brazilian, so he's not telling this story in English. Yeah. So maybe yeah. weird is an odd translation. Maybe that has a more yeah. menacing connotation. But now, sure. yeah, like, bro, I just saw a UFO crash. I don't know what you get <laughs> <I> mean. Get weird.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: So despite these very clear threats, uh, he did give an interview to a UFO investigator pretty soon after sure. that. I tried looking around because I was trying to pull the timeline together. I wasn't able to find information on when this interview happens. Everybody who talks about it makes it sound like it was like that afternoon. Um, Mm. but it wasn't with the news. It was with a UFO investigator who recorded it for his own uses. So maybe it was a few days later. Um, regardless, he did not like go on a publicity tour. He did not talk about this publicly for 25 years after that first interview until James Fox interviewed him in the documentary and took him back to the field where the UFO crashed. Um, Wow. When they were talking to him, uh, he addressed the idea that he and other witnesses that we're going to talk about might just be out to make money. And he's getting really emotional again. He says, do you think I would be embarrassed for 26 years? People, family members, joking, making fun of me. I would never do that. What did I get out of this? Nothing. I never made a dollar off it. There's no advantage to be gained. If I say I made a cent, I would be lying.
1: Huh. Is this like a a common accusation made towards witnesses? Yeah, unfortunately, it really is. Uh, It's a
0: very cynical community Um, and and, and not for no reason. (laughs) The community is full of grifters. And not just Grifters, outright disinfo agents. We haven't talked about Richard oh, Doty right. yet, but one of these days you and I are going to talk about Richard Doty, who is a literal Air Force OSI disinformation agent whose job okay. was to infiltrate the UFO community and mislead the <laughs> <laughs> uh, fucking wild stuff. So yeah, the community has a very fractured approach to people on the one okay. hand we desperately need witnesses to come forward and talk to us and give us their stories right, yeah. on the other hand the community is deeply suspicious of anybody who smacks of maybe making a profit if it's like when lou elizondo announced he was writing a book half the community turned on him immediately yeah right um
1: uh, that, so yeah that but sucks
0: it does but most regular witnesses you know who aren't like celebrity people or big people who are going on tours, they don't benefit from coming forward at best. It's treated yeah. as a joke and at worst it can lead to ostraciz- ostracization, it, yeah. uh, being expelled from uh, <laughs> yeah, uh community or family. Uh, and then on top of that, you got to deal with people who think you're crazy and then accusations from the UFO community itself that you're making the whole thing up for a buck. So it's right. kind of like rape allegations, like. I was there's about to no, say, yeah. Right. There's no upside to it for yeah. the witness. You're not going to benefit from this. Um, mm-hmm. There yeah, are people sucks. out there who are lying, but yeah, for, for my two cents as a rule of thumb if they're not selling anything and their account kind of broadly aligns with other witnesses, mm-hmm. I tend to default to assuming that most people are not being intentionally deceptive. That doesn't mean yeah. that everything they're saying is accurate, right? People have their own biases that inform how they view the things they've gone through. But I just can't wrap my head around this kind of cynical worldview that everyone is out to trick and manipulate me. Um, It's it's exhausting. How do you live in that world?
1: (laughs) I Yeah, I don't know. I have to just, I I feel the same way. I generally just try and trust people. Um,
0: Yeah. Now, speaking of witnesses, Let's talk about the girls and the creature. Um, so a week later worried a week about after this after the crash. <laughs> on January twentieth, about three thirty in the afternoon, uh, three teen girls were walking through an empty lot between two houses in Virginia when they spotted a creature huddled against the wall about eight feet away from them. Hmm. Uh, Lilaine Silva, who's sixteen at the time, says. Passing by here, the graffiti caught my attention. I looked and I saw the creature. What we saw was not human and was not an animal either. We were children of Catholics and we thought it could be a demon. That's why we were so scared. Nowadays, I do think it was a being from another planet.
1: (laughs) Yeah. All right. That checks out. So before this podcast, I think I would have laughed more like, you know, (laughs) demons aliens both imaginary whatever uh now it's like well, yeah oh well, demons are, are definitely imaginary but i don't know right. about aliens
0: no it's it's funny getting to the point where your immediate reaction is like oh demons okay Demon. obviously it was an alien right. <laughs> <That> was- <laughs> uh Katya Xavier, uh, who is 21 years old at the time says what I saw stopped me in my tracks. It glued me to the spot. It had red eyes, oily skin. I could not see an open mouth. It wasn't smiling. It had a sad expression. It was shrunken back. It didn't have hair. Its eyes were three times bigger than ours.
1: So, um, This sounds a little bit like a standard gray to me, not knowing anything better, except I thought their eyes were uh, black, not red. They are. Yeah. So there
0: are some pretty noticeable differences that we'll talk about over the duration of this episode, but short version is kind of start from a base of a gray alien, but Mm -hmm. instead of gray skin, it has noticeably brown skin and noticeably oily skin, which is Mm -hmm. not a description we usually get about grays. Um, It does have big eyes uh, and smaller facial features, but it has big circular red eyes. Um, Hmm. And it has these three kind of ridges on its head that we'll talk about. So this definitely seems to be a different type of creature than our standard gray alien. But yeah, who knows? Yeah. Uh, Lilane continued. She said, I sensed that it was distressed. It was sweating a lot. It was very hot and it gave the impression that it was suffering in the heat.
1: Yeah, that like suffering in the heat is a super interesting detail. Like the whole mm-hmm. sweating ammonia thing. Um, I know, these are compelling and yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: Valkyria Silva, the other girl who was 14 at the time, she said, when Lilane screamed, I looked and I felt fear. I looked into its eyes and saw that it was frightened. And just as I was frightened, the creature was also frightened. I saw that it was afraid of us. It was an exchange of fears, its and ours, afraid of us in the same way we were afraid of it. A being that's unknown to us.
1: Yeah, this like they, they talk about it its feelings a lot, and mm-hmm. it sort of sounds like telepathy. Um mm-hmm. Because otherwise we'd we'd have no reason to be able to like understand its facial
0: expressions. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because the girls never explicitly say anything like telepathy. Mm -hmm. And we do hear that a lot in alien contact reports. You hear like the being spoke to me, but its mouth didn't move. I just heard words in my head or it wasn't even words. I would get impressions or pictures. Mm -hmm. These girls talk about Experiencing its feelings, but they talk about it in a way that I'm not quite comfortable saying they thought it was telepathy, but definitely that is Mm -hmm. one way to read what they are saying.
1: Yeah, Um, Yeah, that makes sense.
0: The girls ran home and they told their mother, Louisa, that they saw a demon. She came with them to the empty lot. The creature was gone, but she found an unusual round footprint with three toes and an overpowering smell. She says, (laughs) For 20 days, I smelled its smell. I couldn't stand the smell. I don't know where it came from. I even washed my nose with alcohol and water to try to get the smell out. This strong smell of, and she kind of hesitates for a moment, trying to find the right word. And Katya suggests ammonia. And she goes, no, it wasn't ammonia. It smelled worse. It smelled like sulfur. Oh, what a strange smell. Huh. Now, the girls went on to tell their story to the press and UFO researchers. They got quite a bit of attention, um, and they suffered from a lot of mockery in their community, but they never backed down from their story. They never really changed it. The details have changed a little bit over time, which is something that skeptics latch onto, but I will say I can tell you stories that I have been telling since 26 years ago, and they probably are not a word-for-word match to how I told that same story 26 years ago. You know, 26 years is a long time. Yeah, Um, it is. But interestingly, uh, they stuck with their story even after they also got a visit from the Men in Black. (laughs) Ooh. Yeah. Louisa describes getting a visit one night from four foreign men wearing dark suits who offered her money to say that her daughters were lying. Oh, they were pushy, but not threatening. And they
1: only left when she said she was going to call the police. That's, I mean, that's a really different vibe than, uh, the pilots in uh, D'Souza. Um, Absolutely. Super different. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't match with the movies. (laughs) It doesn't match with the movies. Uh, It also
0: happened several weeks. After the incident, which feels oddly late to the party, like they've already been all over the news, um, between that and the attempt to bribe rather than threaten, it makes me wonder if we're dealing with a different group and I'm, I'm kind of teasing here. This is a kind of commonly understood thing in the UFO community that the men in black are not a single thing. There Mm. are some stories about the men in black that are kind of like Carlos D'Souza, they seem like, um, maybe government intelligence agents who are very well informed and are explicitly threatening. There are other men in black who seem almost kind of bumbling and are just trying to suppress Mm. the story. That's kind of what we got here. And there are other stories about the men in black where they seem weirdly alien. The encounter with them, like they come out of nowhere. You don't see a vehicle. You don't remember them approaching. They're just there. They speak in kind of stilted English. They move Mm -hmm. oddly. Um, Some people interpret that to mean that some of the men in black are themselves aliens. Other people interpret it as the men in black legend has grown enough that the intelligence agents who are trying to intimidate people lean into the legend and deliberately show up and do affected accents and stuff. Sure, why not? It's a big complicated mess. Yeah, what I I'm bet. getting at. Uh, but yeah, the Men I, in Black is not one homogenous thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense. It'd have to be a large organization. But I have to watch this tonight. I'm to- I know it might be the old school one. Like now. You're going back. Yep. Yep. Doing it.
0: Right on. Okay. Let's talk about when the fire department captured an alien. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. We're actually rolling back the clock a little bit. I wanted to start with the girls because their story is so compelling and establishes so many of the details, but lots of stuff was happening all on the same day. So earlier the same day around 8 a.m., the fire department, which I want to note is not like a municipal fire department. They're under the control of the military. Um, Okay. Interesting. Interesting they responded to calls about a strange creature in the woods on the outskirts of the city, which is not very far from the empty lot where the girls ran into their creature. Um, okay. I'm going to be upfront with you here. This story is the sloppiest part of the Virginia story. Um, okay. Some of the stories I hear from witnesses contradict others. I'm kind of presenting you the most coherent picture that I was okay. able to make out of it. This is sure. what I believe happened based on everything I'm reading, but I might be totally wrong. There are multiple yeah. ways to read the encounter with the fire oh, yeah. department. Um,
1: well, so I'm watching a lot of Tacoma FD right now, which mm-hmm. uh, if you haven't seen it, highly recommend. Uh, but I would say that messy story feels like spot on for, <laughs> for a fire department. Fire department. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah. The the main thing to take away is there were a bunch of witnesses to yeah. something, some sort of odd creature in the woods. Okay. Multiple witnesses called the fire department. The fire department showed up and captured something. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. three young boys in the area said the creature was buzzing like a bee, um, That was really interesting to me because some of the alien stories we get, including Betty and Barney Hill, uh, Mm -hmm. describe that the physical noises the aliens are capable of making with their mouths don't sound like speech. They're kind of buzzing (laughs) or whistling or kind of warbling. Um, Okay. So I thought it was interesting that they were buzzing. Um, Yeah. Two other witnesses
1: confirmed
0: what the boys said. (laughs) One of the witnesses said that she had seen the boys throwing stones at the creature and told them to stop.
1: (laughs) Of course, of course. Uh, Like, little boys are just the worst. Uh, Like, I can... (laughs) Absolutely imagine like the end of the earth happening because like little boys are throwing rocks at an alien and <laughs> it right. turns out to be some prince or whatever.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen a Star Trek episode about exactly this. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sure, right? Yeah. Uh, so one of the other witnesses says it went into the woods and then the firemen arrived dispersing the people. And he was kind of mm-hmm. trying to explain why the fire department would get called. He said, Look, in Brazil, when you have this kind of problem, like being stung by wasps or a venomous animal or a mad dog yeah. the firemen are called the firemen yeah. didn't know what to do when they got here
1: <laughs> yeah i mean that's yeah we do the same thing here honestly like right uh yeah <laughs> uh, I, I like this line that scott wrote for me all right folks don't worry fire department's here what are we dealing with cat in a tree angry dog Wasps? uh no it was none of those it was uh It was four feet tall with big
0: red eyes and horns and covered in grease and it smelled like a moan.
1: All right, right. Got it. Johnny, go get the net. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, the line about the net is not a joke. The fire department (laughs) searched the woods and they did find a creature. It took them two hours before they were able to corner it and capture it. Now, the way I understand this is not a two hour manhunt through the woods. It's they see it, but it's on this slope. It's a difficult area. And every time they get close, it, you know, scurries away. Um, right. Yeah. But they were eventually able to capture it. Some of the reports describe them using a literal net, like tying it up in a net and carrying it out. Um, a bit of video I saw with some firemen clowning around on camera, recounting the event. Mm -hmm showed them using one of those animal capture poles with a little like lasso yeah, right. at the end of a rope. Um, interestingly, they said it gave no resistance. Maybe like it was injured.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. This is just like going on our score chart, score chart of interplanetary incident. Like, yeah. right. Oh, they, they trapped work. you in a
0: net. Oh, bunch of savages around here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, okay. Uh, you said this was before the girl's encounter, right? Um, Mm -hmm. so is this like a different alien or? I mean, that's the implication, right? So some of the stories that
0: I watched about Virginia said that the fire department were called because some people saw a creature down by the woods and they mentioned the proximity to the empty lot with the clear implication being that it was the same creature that it, it had gone from there to the empty lot where the girls saw it later that day. But yeah. most of the reports are very clear that the fire department captured the creature, which means there it would not be the same creature that the girls saw that afternoon. Um, unless it escaped. But- yeah, unless it escaped. Um, but yeah, the implication is pretty clear that there are multiple creatures roaming around. And in fact, uh, when the fire department radioed their commander to say, hey, we caught this weird thing. Uh, they learned that there were multiple creatures in the area and that the military was setting up a blockade around the area to try to catch them all. Um, this blockade is a weird part of the story. Um, I want to be clear. Um, you know, in the documentary, they go to the city of Virginia. Um, this is not like a rural community out in the desert where they like blockaded the whole community. This is like a city and they came in and set up a blockade around like a neighborhood in the city, like a residential part of the city. Um, yeah. So, and you know, I don't live in Brazil, you know, I don't live somewhere where the fire department is militarized. So, you know, my, my instinct is go, well, I don't know, maybe they do that shit all the time. But the witnesses are very clear. This was a very unusual incident. Um, okay. One witness described leaving the gym and seeing military trucks setting up barricades. Uh, the soldiers would not let him or his friends pass. And he tried to say, it's a free country. I have a right to go. Uh, but the soldiers pointed rifles at them. And he said, never before have I seen an army truck in Virginia. I was only scared when they raised
1: their guns at me. <laughs> oh my god! Like <laughs> uh, I will never be so brave. But if I were, I would love to be brave enough to like uh, I don't know question orders right? when someone's pointing a rifle at me. Like oh, the the, the so confidence
0: much it takes. Yeah, <laughs> you know an armed soldier like I have a right to me. <laughs> And like, like, don't get me wrong. Right. Like I, I get the impulse to resist authoritarian overreach, yeah. especially in like our, you know, like I'm in Portland, right? Like the police yeah, right? here are practically militarized and they've yeah. abused the power. I get it. I get the instinct to stand up to them, but Lord, give me the confidence of, uh, you know, some dude, like I have a constitutional right to walk past right. your armed blockade.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If I don't know. If a, on the other hand, if my wife and doggo were on the other side, like I'd be looking for ways through. Yeah. Yeah. Now,
0: in the story, it was pretty clear. He wanted to get on the other side, kind of a general principles because his house is on the other side. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, a really interesting. Uh, another story about the barricade, um, a reporter describing, uh, described getting a report about the girls encounter, right? So this was making the news that afternoon. Um, And he got in his his car and went to the scene. He's like, I live in the area. I know Virginia very well. I decided to go check it out. But when we arrived, there were army trucks and they said, I couldn't pass by here. I asked why. They said, this is an issue of national security. Well, for Mm -hmm. us, it didn't make sense. We were convinced there was a cover up in process. Two of our boys went to ESA, which is a military base about 20 miles outside of town. And they asked a sergeant there, won't you say anything about the case? And the sergeant responded, if you ask one more question, you will be arrested.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, intimidating reporters is always a, a strong start to a cover.
0: right. Yeah. Always, always a sign things are ticking along well, uh, you know, yep. we're, we're doing everything above the board, very <laughs> by the books exactly. with reporter.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, another witness who James Fox found on the street who was you know he was looking for anybody who remembered the incident he was just he didn't know anything about the aliens but he knew about the barricades and the military he said a maneuver of that size with so many vehicles involving both army and police simultaneously uh, they closed the roads they wouldn't let us pass something happened that left us very suspicious
1: yeah yeah aliens or not uh any kind of unannounced military blockade of large residential neighborhoods is probably going to set off some alarm bells.
0: Yeah. And and this is the part that I kind of want to emphasize, right? Like I had heard the Virginia story before and I had heard about a military barricade. I didn't really put two and two together, but like literally mm. imagine army trucks rolling in and setting up a blockade around five blocks of your neighborhood with no context, yeah. like that seems to be what was happening here. It wasn't like, oh yeah, the army came through doing drills all the time. Like, this is mm-hmm. extremely unusual.
1: Yeah. I um, mean, I uh, I grew up outside of well, several military bases. So yeah. I this doesn't like seem strange to me at all. Like, oh, right. like a barricade in place. All right. I don't know what they're doing over there, but yeah.
0: All yeah. right. So let's talk about Marco Scherzi. Um, okay, and I apologize again, if I am butchering this name, the documentary itself pronounces his name like six different ways to some people <laughs> yeah. he's Marco Cherez; other people. It's Marco Cherez; other people. It's Marco I mean, Scherzi, um,
1: you I didn't apologize. study up on your Portuguese before doing oh my this God.
0: episode. <laughs> God. Um, so that evening, right? So we had the fire department encounter where they captured a creature in the morning. We had the girls running into a creature Mm -hmm. in the abandoned lot in the afternoon. Um, and then there was apparently a torrential, unusual, heavy storm happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and that evening, the police and the military are still patrolling the area. Uh, Mm -hmm. two military police officers, Marco Sherezzi and Eric Lopes, saw a creature dart across the street in front of their car near the empty lot. Sherezi jumped out and wrestled it into the back of the car with his bare hands. He was covered in a greasy or sticky substance, which left him smelling like the
1: creature. Oh my God. Like who, who does this? Like (laughs) this feels very Florida, right? Like, Oh yeah. I just, I saw a crocodile and, uh, just stashed it in the back of my truck. Just <laughs> wrestled them down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was I was really. joking
0: that, like, instant regret, right? <laughs> yeah. You get out, like, you're covered in this smelly ammonia grease. Like, I bet that net the fire department had is starting to sound like a very good <laughs> right. idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they were prepared. They knew what to do. This isn't their yeah. first rodeo.
0: Now, unfortunately, I'm kind of setting you up for failure here because I'm kind of joking about it. Uh, but just to kind of, like, he cut this off before I do anything too awkward. Uh, Marco dies. Oh, no. Uh, shortly after the incident, he developed a small abscess from a cut he got while struggling with the creature. And mm. he had a minor surgery to remove the abscess. I'm going to interject here for a second. I'm not a doctor. I don't know yeah. anything. I don't understand how you remove an abscess, which, as I understand it, is like an opening. But, yeah. uh, this is one of the most controversial parts of the story and we'll get to why later, but basically, you know, there is evidence of a coverup and this is one of the parts that they're most interested in either covering up or debunking the mm-hmm. death of Marco Sherez was either a completely unrelated thing due to a completely routine minor surgery that went bad or a dude who wrestled with an alien and caught some unknown pathogen. Um, right. And there just isn't enough evidence to read it either way. Um, yeah, there were differing reports on whether the abscess was a pre-existing condition, whether that mm. came from a cut that he got while wrestling with the alien. Uh, who knows? Yeah. But the, the, The most coherent narrative I was able to put together is he wrestles with this creature. He gets a small cut. He's covered in oil. Yeah. It gets infected. He goes to the doctor later. Yeah. And has a minor surgery. Within days of the surgery, he becomes extremely sick with a mysterious infection. He is admitted Mm -hmm. to the hospital on February 10th. Remember the. Encounters are happening on January twentieth, so this is very soon after. Um, He has an extremely high fever. He's complaining of severe pain. He deteriorated rapidly, and he died on February fifteenth.
1: Yeah, I mean, now uh, I wonder how long he (laughs) this uh, like abscesses and infections can go very poorly very quickly. So um, totally, I wonder if he waited too long or if it really was, uh, mysterious. Now we do
0: have a little bit more information. Um, there was some discussion with the doctors in the documentary, but also since the documentary, James Fox has continued to post more information Hmm. he has received, including an information with the doctor who was involved in his, uh, the, the examination after he died and an interview with one of the doctors who treated him. So Dr. Cesario Lincoln Furtado was one of the doctors who treated him in the hospital. He said, me and another doctor gave him the best antibiotics we had. He did not get any better. It was like giving water with sugar. Um, Mm -hmm. Dr. Furtado was asked about the story about Marco wrestling with the creature. And he said, he did tell us about his contact with the creature to try to help save his life because he felt he was dying. Right. So Mm -hmm. he comes in with a high fever, you know, the doctor's like, you know, asking him about it. So he told the doctors about the encounter. Uh, the doctor said, according to his sister, he was restricted from talking about,
1: huh? Wait, uh, restricted by whom? Well, Um, that's the question, right? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry, I don't know how to read this line. Um.
0: (laughs) It just made me laugh, right? Like I'm imagining you're, you're being admitted to the hospital. You're trying to explain, yeah, you know, I got this, I had surgery, I've got a high fever and you know, like now every time you go to the doctor, they're like, have you had COVID recently or been around anyone with COVID? Like, well, no, but I did get in a wrestling match with a demon looking creature from
1: beyond the stars. like uh, okay and one of you all right triage get in that room over there yeah i i want to be clear the doctors at no
0: point say there was an alien Mm -hmm. the doctors try to report very clearly about the medical condition which is Mm -hmm. abnormal and they are clear that the patient told them that this happened but they are not saying oh yeah he was covered in alien goo like yeah yeah Yeah, yeah A patient had surgery and then he developed a high fever and sepsis.
1: Um, Yeah, there was a. I saw something recently about uh, where where the punchline was like, "Oh, imagine telling the triage nurse that." It's like, oh my god, triage nurses get so much worse. It's like, okay, you saw an alien. Yeah, Yeah, all right, come on in. You are you are not going to rattle a triage nurse. (laughs) (laughs) No, exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, his sister, Marta Tavares said, when he went to the hospital, I asked him if the story about the creature was true. Cause again, to be clear, this is in the press, right? Like everyone mm-hmm. is talking about these encounters and there is a report that one of the military policemen, Marco Charizzi wrestled a creature into the back of a car. Um, yeah. and she asked him if the story was true and he only said, look, this story will be a big deal. Hmm. <laughs> Dr. Zhao B.M. Giannini, who examined Marco after death, said that he died of sepsis. He described it as okay. a raging infection in the bloodstream that ultimately resulted in organ failure. He hmm. said they found anomalous bacteria in his blood that was aggressive, virulent,
1: and extremely resistant to antibiotics. Wow. Interesting. Did, did they like identify the bacteria or like keep it in a little pile <laughs> they anywhere? did not no. <laughs> which yeah reddit right. doctors on reddit
0: are they find that very suspect uh but there is a bit of context here it's not just yeah. like oh a doctor found a weird bacteria and like shrugged and threw it out um we'll get to some context later about continuing military activity in the neighborhood oh, and yeah. especially in the hospitals so yeah. i wonder if these doctors might have just figured Maybe it's a good idea not to look too closely into the unknown bacteria in the blood of the guy who died after wrestling with an alien, while the military right. is occupying a wing of our hospital. You know.
1: Yeah. Right. Like, and I'm I would be surprised if the like CDC or the the Brazilian equivalent didn't roll in and like cordon off things and take any of those samples. Like,
0: I don't know. you are you are on fire, buddy. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> after <laughs> really? Marco
0: okay. died. The hospital ordered that his coffin be sealed and buried within hours. Uh-huh, um, yep. Again, this is reported a few different ways. I chalk this up to difference in language. Um, some people reported that it was ordered that he have a closed casket funeral. Other people mm. reported the coffin was sealed. But the thing that I think is interesting is they ordered that he be buried immediately. There's no like... Yeah. Call the family to come collect the body, set up a funeral, arrange a range of viewing. You know this is a Catholic country; they're going to do right. all the usual stuff. No, they're like, get
1: him in the ground right freaking now. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of want to know this now. But if you have a patient with an incredibly infectious thing, is it better to put them in the ground near the water table, or is it better okay. to cremate them and potentially release it everywhere?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um and and again, it's wild. Y- you know, I am putting this story together from media reports and from people yeah. telling stories about it. Some of them are motivated to tell it in with a conspiratorial bent. Mm-hmm. Some of them mm-hmm. are motivated to tell it in a totally mundane regular day of business. So, this is me reading between the lines. But definitely one thing that was unusual is the sealed coffin must be buried in. Yeah. It. Okay. His wife, Valeria Cherise, said the family had difficulty getting his medical report. Quote, first they wanted money for it, then they took a long time, and then pages were missing. I was always mm. looking for an explanation, but no explanation came. None.
1: We- weird. The money part is, like, particularly mm-hmm. odd, but um, I want to know if this is, like, uh, an actual malicious cover-up, or just like the hospital struggling uh, that they have like genuinely no idea or yeah,
0: I don't know. And, and, and not only that, right. Because there's already the, Hey, something weird happened. Maybe the hospital's yeah. instinct is like, I don't want to talk about it. Um, yeah. but also again, there is the hidden context here of military in the hospital while all this is happening. Uh yeah, very very strange situation. Yeah. um, The family would later sue the military over his death, and they yeah. got a more complete version of his medical report, which showed there was an unknown toxic substance in his blood and evidence of altering the official records to show that he was off duty on the night of January 20th. Um, Which it's hard to think of any reason they would want to change that other than to erase the narrative that he was part of whatever the military was doing on january 20th you know um no he didn't wrestle an alien guy wasn't even working that night
1: um i missed that this these were military police were these military police or uh militarized police like mps that
0: is a distinction I don't know. Uh, okay. They are introduced as military police, but okay. they were careful to note the fire department is under the control of the military. Yeah, right. And the way they describe them sounds a lot like civilian cops. So I wonder if it's police, but the police department is itself controlled by the military. But yes, they were always yeah. identified as military police.
1: Okay. Interesting. Um, Should have gotten a net. T-
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His sister, Marta Tavares, confirmed that he was working that night and said, I was outraged by the attitude of the police. 25 years ago, they came to my mother and told her that the story of the creature was true. It happened. But they couldn't admit the truth to society because the population would collapse.
1: What? Why would the population collapse? Uh, I guess maybe that's the... You can't handle the truth. You
0: and I I have talked about this before, right? Like, I don't put a lot of stock in the idea that we're going to have a war-of-the-world style panic. But I will admit, there's a big difference between there are gray aliens in UFOs, and they might want to talk to the president, versus uh, there's an alien walking around covered with goop, and if you touch him, you're going to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. That feels a little different. Slightly more catastrophic disclosure. Right? They're in the woods right now. Yeah, right. Okay, so, but what about the other guy in the car? Um, Mm -hmm. Eric Lopes, you said? Yeah, yeah. Feels like it should be pretty
0: easy to confirm, right? There's another guy here. What does he have to say? Uh, Eric Lopes has been unreachable for 26 years. He has never spoken about this publicly. Uh, James Fox in the documentary spent a great deal of time trying to track him down. There is this... (laughs) huge scene it's really funny they're like we got a lead on eric lopes we got a translator here we're going to go down we know this guy he's going to tell us where to find him and they're talking to this dude hanging out the window of his house he's like you have to go uh you know like he won't like that you're here he won't talk to you if you don't leave i'm going to shoot you uh and then eventually he admits that he is eric lopes and threatens uh, to shoot them if they don't get off the land uh yeah. so yeah there's a, a very like high confrontation under no circumstances is this guy going to talk on camera situation which of course james milks for all the drama in the world oh
1: yeah absolutely uh yeah and i'm not i don't blame him sounds like there's a lot going on and yeah uh maybe the men in black thing is is a thing yeah maybe they got to him first yeah yeah uh so yeah there's
0: an un maybe unrelated story here that I want to tell, it kind of fits in here, uh, about someone else who claims to have touched the aliens and been affected. Um, so UFO investigator, Patricia Fernandez Silva was shown a color photo by the former sheriff of Virginia. Uh, the photo shows two creatures, one dead and one crouched, just like the girls described. She says the mouth was very small the skin of the living one had a shine, but it wasn't an oily shine. It was kind of gooey, like it had just stepped out of a swimming pool. It was wet, damp skin. She says it had three, I won't say horns, but three mm. high protrusions on the forehead. Okay. Uh, and then she says the sheriff struggled taking the photo out of a folder and told her that his hands had been nearly paralyzed ever since he grabbed the creature by the legs.
1: Whoa. Okay. So that's like, that's intense to have two people directly affected Mm -hmm. by like coming into contact.
0: Yeah. Obviously he didn't die, but if the story that we're hearing about Marco is correct, Marco got a cut and some of the alien juice cut inside him, maybe the sheriff didn't, but it's just topical. I don't know, but. Either way, it sounds like physical contact with these guys is not a great idea.
1: Not ideal.
0: Um, Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the hospital. Uh, I've kind of teased this a little bit. There's been some weird stuff going on in the hospital. Um, There are two main hospitals in the area. There's Humanitas Hospital and Regional Hospital. (laughs) I am am completely unclear whether it is like the Regional Hospital or If the name of the hospital is regional, and maybe that word just means something different in Portuguese, uh, but anyway, Humanitas Hospital and Regional Hospital. The stories all seem to imply that the creatures, once they were captured, fire department, Marcos maybe another one, they were brought to Humanitas Hospital. Uh, okay. The word is that one of them was dead on arrival, and the other one died soon after. Um, hmm. And I'm going to remind you that if these are creatures from the UFO that crashed, that was a week before. So yeah. they had already yeah. been like out in the wilds of Brazil for a week, made their way into the city. They were described as suffering from the heat. Um, yeah. Presumably there's nothing here they can eat or drink. So right. It doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Maybe the creature didn't live long after they captured it. Yeah, right. Um, an entire wing of Humanitas Hospital was declared off limits for several days after the incident. The military held a meeting with all hospital employees, telling them that this was all a training exercise for doctors and military personnel, and that they were to deny everything if anyone asked any questions.
1: <laughs> yep yep standard operating procedure uh nothing happened here, but just in case anyone asks, you didn't see anything not happen here,
0: right? I feel like you go with one of those two either a yeah, hey, something's happening, don't tell anyone about it, or nothing's happening, don't worry about it. <laughs> the combination yeah. of nothing's happening, don't worry about it, and it also if anybody asks, lie to them it's
1: like, yeah, uh. <laughs> Suspicious.
0: Now there is another story here. The date is unclear. I tried really hard to track it down. Um, Mm -hmm. but a radiologist at regional hospital reports military trucks arriving and him being ordered to x-ray a body without
1: opening the body bag. Okay. I wonder why they, they had to go to another hospital for that though. That is a great question. Uh, the timeline
0: is unclear. Maybe this is before they were locked down at humanitas. Mm. Maybe regional hospital had the only functional x-ray. I, like, yeah, I don't know enough about the area to know. And again, the timeline is unclear. Maybe. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it is definitely confusing why they would go to one hospital and then it be at the other, but the, the uh, other one's just like
1: coated in goo, they're like, oh, God, <laughs> God, everything is just goo everywhere. You're laughing. <laughs> but oh no.
0: <laughs> uh, so he says they asked me to do x-rays of the parts that they requested the skull, the cervical spine, the thorax, the abdomen, the pelvis, mm-hmm. the legs, the arms. He said right, humans These... don't have thoraxes, right? I think thorax is actually a medical term, but yeah, that would that would raise my eyebrow too. Again, all of this is being translated from Portuguese, so yeah. grain of salt with anything that sounds a little off linguistically. Uh, He said, these men, their eyes were fixed, observing me the whole time to see what I was doing, but they didn't say anything, even among themselves. The x-rays were developed. And at the time I saw no images. It was all taken by the military that day. Mm. Normally I verify that the images are correct, but on this day I did not. One of the persons there said, your job is done. Thank you. Don't comment on what you saw or what you did.
1: Yeah. I mean, checks out. (laughs) We've already made this joke too many times. Don't tell anyone what you didn't see. You're right. When asked if the body had an odor,
0: he said, the smell was strong, a mix Mm. between sulfur and ammonia. And despite all the cleaning and disinfecting, the smell remained. That section of the hospital was closed. We could not serve the public because the smell was so strong. The smell was still there the next day and everyone mm. was complaining. The smell impregnated by nose and respiratory system for three or four days.
1: Yeah. I like the smell is one thing, but it, the fact that it's like sticking around, that's mm. so interesting. It's fascinating. And it's
0: a weirdly consistent detail. That
1: yeah.
0: Trying to put myself in the mindset of a skeptic, right? if. Mm three girls are on TV describing seeing a demon who smelled like sulfur and somebody else is piggybacking on the story, picking up on the detail of sulfur. All right, fine. That, that doesn't mean that much to me, but the idea that the smell would penetrate somehow would Mm -hmm. linger. It's, it's a very specific detail. It feels like people wouldn't necessarily pick up on that. That one kind of rings, rings true to me. Yeah. Um, so we've got a ufo crash we've got multiple witness encounters we have reports of creatures being captured uh taken to hospitals examined um here's where as you might guess uh the u.s air force comes into it (laughs) of course they did of course they did uh, so James Fox found a new military witness who he identified only as military X, who was still mm. very hesitant about speaking out. They took some pretty strong measures to protect his identity. It was some real funny kind of like uh gumshoe kind of stuff like, okay, we're going to rent a hotel room. We'll have him come in the back door and we'll already have the cameras set up. We'll only film him from the back. we will distort his voice. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, all the, all the tricks but it kind of speaks volumes that like 26 years later, they can still only find one person from the military who's willing to go on camera and talk about it. You know, like um, it, it sure feels like there was a lot of threats being made, especially to the military people. Yeah. So military X, he says that on January 22nd, so this is two days later, right? The aliens were seen on the 20th. So on January 22nd, He was part of a convoy transporting the body of a creature from Humanitas Hospital in Virginia to ESA military base, where it stayed the night. Early the following morning, the convoy continued their mission to Espsex army base in the city of Campinas. Hmm. Wait, I thought there were like two or three creatures. Yep. I have no idea why his story only Hmm. seems to involve one. Uh, Also, he's in a convoy with multiple trucks. Why would you need multiple trucks for one body? Uh, They don't mention debris. They don't mention the other body. Maybe this Mm. is just all that this dude saw and other stuff was there. Or, Yeah, but yeah, definitely a weird detail. Um, Military X says, at the hospital, I saw a box, a stainless steel table with a box on it, like a wooden box. And there were doctors, people carrying clipboards, analyzing, and it looked like they all seemed scared of it. And when I looked, I saw something different, a different creature with the skin, very oily, a lot of oil, like silicon. Seeing that I got scared and what caught my attention was the foot. It was V shaped, practically two fingers. What led me to believe that it wasn't a human being was the foot.
1: Is it, so I, I thought the, the girls said it was a, a footprint with three toes. Yeah. So the mom draws a picture of
0: the footprint she saw, which had three toes, but she draws it very sloppily and there was heavy, heavy rain. Um, also, mm. when Military X describes it, he doesn't say V-shaped. He says, what caught my attention was the foot. It was, and he holds up his hand doing like the Vulcan salute. And it's unclear, like, is this Mm. one out or is it like, does this represent two toes or is it two toes kind of put together on this? Like,
1: right. So
0: again, there's a little bit of ambiguity here. Um, maybe the footprint was messed up. Maybe military X didn't see the body very clearly. Um, he makes it pretty clear. He was pretty scared by the body and the whole scenario. Um, After the convoy arrived, they were instructed not to talk, Uh, and the implication I get was that this wasn't a one-on-one interview, it was him and all the other dudes in the convoy, but he says, the officer singled me out. He said, Mm -hmm. the officer looked me straight in the eyes and asked me what I saw, and I said, I think it was a burned man or something, and he said, no, that's not what you saw. I don't know if he thought I was trying to deceive him like he knows but doesn't want to say. That's what he said. That's when he said what I saw was supernatural. Anyone who dares to speak about what happened or what they saw, the punishment would be very severe. It's something to be kept extremely secret
1: of extreme importance for life. Supernatural is an interesting choice. Yeah. Again, I, you know, this is all Portuguese secondhand translation.
0: Mm -hmm. I, I, but yeah, I agree. That word caught my attention as well. I'm guessing he used a word that would maybe better translate to English as like paranormal. Like for us, supernatural makes us think like ghosts and goblins and paranormal is a little more like maybe scientific
1: but just hasn't quite been explained yet but who knows yeah Yeah. uh but also angels and demons also fall into the supernatural camp right so uh, maybe they just they're all catholic yeah or maybe the alien's a vampire (laughs) yeah that's entirely possible (laughs) that's it yeah that's it
0: that's the one (laughs) uh he said that one soldier at the hospital when he was looking at the box had a film camera And that he is for sure that there is video in possession of the government. Um, Mm. on a related note, UFO investigator Vittorio Pacacci was shown a 35 second fragment of film of the creature by a senior officer in 2012. He said it was skinny, weak, fragile. It had brown skin with oil or grease on the body. It had a big head with red eyes with no pupils. The face was like a reptile, like a frog with strange red eyes, three times bigger than ours, and three protuberances on top of its head. And it made a little sound like a bee. Hmm. I love that bit. There's that buzzing. Yeah, the buzzing. Yeah. James Fox, when asked about this 35-second clip recently, said, I have personally spoken to three witnesses in Brazil, that claim to have seen photographic evidence, both videos and stills. More details coming soon. Mm, soon. Soon.tm? Well, (laughs) relatively, I guess. That was in October of 2022. Um, James Fox has been very busy lately filming a new documentary and going around. So who knows? Uh, But I do think it's interesting that it wasn't like the documentary came out and that was it. Like he has continued to tweet stuff as more people come out to him and they meet more witnesses.
1: Cool. Yeah. Uh,
0: Military X said, I think they did a study in Campinas, which was the ultimate destination Mm -hmm. that they went to. Now, some things I don't know and can't prove, but the rumors at the time were that it went to the United States. We weren't really equipped, honestly, to keep the creature
1: here. Yeah, time for the Americans to jump in and take all the evidence. But also, I question whether the U.S. is capable of... of, uh, (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's a different question.
1: You know? But
0: certainly they think they're better equipped than the Brazilians. Yeah, there you go. matters here is confidence.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: Brazilian Air Force Air Traffic Control Officer Jose Manuel Fernandez said... A U.S. Air Force plane lands in Campinas. Two helicopters took off from Campinas Airport to Virginia, where they landed, collected something, nobody knows what, returned to Campinas, put it on the U.S. Air Force plane, which took off and left. And what the mission was, what they told us? Silence. Total silence. And when asked how he knew the Americans were involved, he said, they landed without authorization of the brazilian government it was a secret mission and it was a us air force plane
1: yeah yeah uh, that all completely checks out <laughs> <laughs> right yeah um i thought uh didn't didn't the military x guy say the creature was moved by a truck convoy though <laughs> yep awkward Okay, (laughs) So they both have the same claim. The
0: creature was taken from Virginia to Campinas and from there taken by the Americans. Uh, if both stories are true, it's unclear what the helicopters Mm. are retrieving. Um, military X only mentions one body. Maybe the helicopters were getting the other one. Maybe they decided to take one by truck and one by helicopter. Or maybe the, the helicopters were getting Mm. the wreckage. Like I, it's unclear why some would go by helicopter and some by truck. Maybe one yeah. of these people is lying. Um, but yeah, th- this is kind of the the downside of the story is once we get past eyewitnesses in the community who saw creatures, it's all secondhand stories about what happened inside the military once they took mm-hmm. possession of it. And we're kind yeah, of, of course reading it is. between the lines. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course it is. Recently, Leslie Kane, who is one of the yeah. authors of the 2017 New York Times article and more recently yeah. the David Grush outing, uh revealed that her intelligence sources have confirmed the authenticity of the Virginia crack.
1: Ooh, that's cool i I hope she gets to write uh, an article on it and find some more details That'd yeah, be exciting yeah she.
0: She teased this at a conference um, and, you know, I love Leslie, but yeah, I sure hope we get more than, yeah, someone told me it was real. Yeah. Okay. So let's step back and take a slightly more skeptical view of this case. And let's talk about the military explanations of what they say is going on. Um, First of all, there is no physical evidence of any of this. Uh, There's no wreckage, there's no bodies, there's no goop, there's no mysterious bacteria. It's all eyewitness testimony. Now we've talked a lot about the value of eyewitness testimony on this Mm -hmm. podcast. I don't think it's nothing (laughs) like eyewitness testimony is valuable, Um, but certainly it's not a slam dunk. It's not like, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Marco Marco Charisse shows up with like an alien claw embedded in his arm and we can evaluate it It as a weird DNA or uh, yeah. you know, Sousa comes in with the chunk of memory metal. Like we, we've got nothing. Um,
1: yeah. Wait, hang on. You raise an interesting point. Um, couldn't we uh unearth him and see if I there's mean, still maybe, toxins?
0: Yeah. Um, uh, more, more than- to the point, the military has invested a lot of time trying to debunk this story. Mm, um, yeah. Back in 1996, on May 8. So just a, uh, you know, a couple of months later, um, there has been a lot of public attention on this story and the ESA military base held a press conference to respond to this mounting pressure from the public and the press to address their potential involvement in a UFO crash recovery operation. Uh, general Lima, the commander of ESA addressed the crowd saying, we have nothing to hide. Uh, But it got a little confrontational as he tried to leave the press conference. Uh, one of the reporters shouts out after him. He says, did it happen? What were you guys doing that day? And he turns around, he says, we were working for the army and the nation. And the reporter says, can you prove it? He says, prove it to who? He says, to the press. The general goes, why? And the reporter says, don't you want to prove the facts? And General Lima says, "I don't have to prove
1: what I said," and walks out the door. <laughs> I should, yeah that that would be fun. Uh, I right. I don't think it would fly with my boss, but man, it'd be fun Probably to try. Not.
0: <laughs> I don't have to prove what I said. <laughs> Baller. Uh, in 2010, the Brazilian military released an a report from an official inquiry into the incident. Mm. Uh, It ran over 300 pages and it presented aggressively mundane explanations for everything that happened. Uh, Those young women who saw uh, a creature, they actually encountered a homeless, mentally unstable man nicknamed Modino who lived in the area. And they presented photographs of a citizen known as Modino Who probably has some mental disability and whose physical characteristics matched the description? And this citizen, probably being dirty due to the heavy rains, and seen crouching by a wall, was mistaken by three terrified girls as a space creature.
1: I mean, yeah, I don't know. I get the brown, but like the the three horns and the giant red eyes. Like, right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A little, it's a bit of a, a stretch suspicious. to say is physical characteristics matched the description. Um, yeah. and more to the point, the girls have since claimed that they knew Mudino, like he's a guy in the area. Yeah. They'd given him cigarettes. Like they would not yeah. have failed to recognize him from 10 feet away, you know, or yeah. mistaken him for a demon. Um, so yeah, not That's to ridiculous. mention the ammonia. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, the military trucks, the blockades, all of that, they were just performing routine duties on the night they were Mm. observed quote, the presence of the firefighters, the parking of army trucks in the vicinity of the concessionaire where their periodic maintenance would be carried out the departure of ESA vehicles. These were real facts but they were incorrectly interpreted as firefighters and the military participating in the capture and later the transport of the alleged creature to Campinas.
1: Yeah. What about the blockades? Oh,
0: I guess those were
1: routine too,
0: despite other citizens saying they have never seen anything like it before or since. (laughs) Uh. But Chuck, here's the best one. The aliens allegedly seen in the hospital Mm -hmm. were actually an expectant couple who had dwarfism.
1: Just one, like in the same trench coat. Oh my God. Like it's, it's so, so bad.
0: Like it's condescending and offensive at the (laughs) same time. Like, Oh, that wasn't an alien. That was a little person. Like, yeah, dude, that that's rude. To everyone. It's rude to the witnesses, yeah. rude to the person you say was there. Like that one is right up there for me with swamp gas in terms of an mm. absolute lack of dis of respect if <laughs> eyewitness is like, oh yeah, yeah. What you saw was gas in a swamp. Like Yeah. Really? What? <laughs> yeah. Except somehow worse. Somehow worse. Yeah. Because it's offensive. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah. like uh The military has put a lot of work into debunking this. If you go look up Virginia, you will find a lot of smug, self-satisfied skeptics Mm. who will tell you there were no aliens. It was just a couple with dwarfism and routine military maneuvers and a bunch of people getting hysterical over nothing. Um, And I don't know. I wasn't there, you know, but there's a lot of people who saw stuff and are talking about it. These are not people who are making money off of it, who have reason mm. to stick to this story for 26 years. Um, yeah. We're getting additional details coming out and more to the point, it aligns with other things that we are hearing in other stories in the community, yeah. especially the U S air force recovery team coming in. Like
1: Absolutely. this is something,
0: uh, a common, Objection that you get from the skeptics is, well, why do UFOs only crash in the U.S.? And the answer is they don't. Like, they don't. We first just of all, steal if all. you, yeah, there, there are maps that you'll see that uh, show hot spots of UFO activity, and we've talked about this before. Like, oh, mm-hmm. it's only happening in English-speaking countries. No, the oh, survey yeah. was in English and was given to people who speak English. Hey, guess what? There's a bias yes. towards where English-speaking countries are. In other countries where they speak their language, if you talk to them, you find out things. Brazil is a massive country with a rich and varied history of UFO encounters all its own. It's just that we don't speak Portuguese, so we don't run into them as often. Presumably it's spelled differently than UFO. (laughs) And David Grush, his whole deal is the US military and intelligence agencies have captured and or stolen crash wreckage, debris bodies from all over the globe. In some cases with the cooperation of authorities and in some cases just going in under their nose and taking it. Um, Hmm. This story about a U.S. Air Force plane landing without authorization in a Brazilian airport and kind of coming in and strong arming the Brazilians into working with them and turning everything over and covering it up rings completely true to me I- ignore all the details about the creature a weird object crashes the americans show up two days later and take everything away that part yeah. I completely checks buy. out all the boxes <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely all right so what do you think chuck that's virginia uh legendary ufo story from brazil uh
1: vintage ah. now no vintage uh I don't know man that's it's delightful I'm uh yeah. it's very convincing to me mm-hmm. um I 100% believe the military would cover this shit up uh mm-hmm. even if it was something mundane um right but yeah it's I don't know it's it's pretty compelling yeah and you know
0: we all have a bias for recency but you know al- although we've been joking yeah. about yeah. you know 1996 being vintage It's recent enough that it's in Mm -hmm. living memory. All of these people are alive. You can go down and talk to them today. And James Fox did. And Mm -hmm. that is the part that I found most compelling was I'm not just reading these words on paper, hearing what someone said in the fifties and is being reported through like the three generations of translations. Like here they are on camera saying, yes, this is what I saw. This is what I experienced. And multiple members of the community overlapping you know, not very many people saw every bit of it, but all mm-hmm. the bits overlap to paint a fairly cohesive, coherent narrative that makes sense to me. There are some details that we're not sure about, right? Like how did the stuff get transported to Campinas? Uh, mm-hmm. Did the fire department capture anything, you know, things like that. But, you know, did Marco Charisse die because he wrestled with an alien or unrelated reasons? Right. I don't know. But, There's enough, you know, each of these stories, you can imagine a Venn diagram where they're all overlapping. There's enough there in the areas where they all overlap for me to find it compelling. Even if the stuff where it doesn't overlap is maybe contradictory or not quite right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's, here's my question to you. Mm. If you came upon an alien in an alley right now, what would you do? Oh, I would freak the fuck out.
0: I, I gotta admit, I'm, I'm right there with those girls. I might not think demon, but, uh, we've talked about this before, right? Like I would love to think that my rational brain takes over and goes, ah, fascinating, an opportunity to interact with a being from another world. Yeah. I think the, the primal part of my brain kicks in and goes, "Ah." yeah, (laughs) yeah. I'm two blocks away before the rational part catches up. Wait.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah, me too. I would like to believe that I would, um, Like, take a moment and start a recording. Right. Uh, But I don't know if I'd manage it.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on It's a Very Exciting Time. You can find show notes and more on our website, veryexcitingtime.com,
1: as well as links to our social media accounts. And you can email us at Scott or Chuck at veryexcitingtime.com. If you'd like to support the show, please check out our Patreon at patreon.comslash veryexcitingtime. And Chuck,
0: as always, my wife thanks you for listening to me talk about UFOs so she doesn't have to.